Bigger than Capes. Give me some silence. Hello, welcome to Bigger Than Capes. I am Zach, and this week I'm joined by Will. Will, Hello how are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm I'm fine. I can barely speak, apparently. But that's Living that lockdown dream. Oh yeah. I I feel like we could pre-record our response to Hey, how are you doing? And just It's it's the same every time. <laughs> but I'm generally doing alright, mate. Not too bad. Good, good, good. Um so here we are, <laughs> and, and this week, midweek, whatever, whenever this is going to go out, um, we're here to talk about Red Fork from TKO from their most recent releases. They released yeah. three books back in the past, twenty twenty. Oh yeah, end thereof, I guess. Who, who knows with the last year? Could have yeah, been the, the beginning or the end. It's all just one <laughs> splurge. The year I don't understand. I <laughs> so yeah, November of last year is my interpretation of when the last wave of that sounds about right. TKO releases was. Um, Red Fork is Pagnadel, Neil Vendrill, Giula Brusco, and Ryan Ferrier as your creative team. That's uh, writer, artist, colour artist, and letterer mm-hmm. in order of, of, of listing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Will, would you like to hit us with the official blurb of... Yeah, I'll, uh, I'm going to just piggyback this straight from TKO themselves, because who could say it better? So Red Fork is about ex-con Noah returns to find his hometown of Red, uh, Red Fork, the name of the book, decayed by opioid abuse. But soon he discovers a more sinister and dangerous supernatural presence lurking in the coal mines below town. Which, if you put it in the kind of rhythm with some guitar behind it, does sound like a Paul McCartney Beatles track. Kind <laughs> of a Rocky Raccoon kind of. Yeah, all about ex-con Noah. <laughs> um, I reckon we could write that song. Not, not like we've got anything else on. No, literally nothing else on. Yeah, we'll do that after. <laughs> so, yeah, that, you know what? I think you've summed it up quite well there. Will by your TKO Studios. I... <laughs> give the plaudits to TKO. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, it does, I, I think that does the book a service. Like, it, it's, it's a fairly straightforward um, kind of setup to the plot. Is We start by seeing Noah... Uh, essentially going down for his brother's crime. Yes. Going up um, for the sake of his brother for murdering a dentist. Uh, he's a dentist, isn't it? That he is a dentist. The, they're trying old, to rob drugs from. Old Doc Brewster. Old Doc Brewster. And um, is it uh, eight years later? I think he returns to Red Fork after serving his sentence. And... Um, Either eight or six years, which I didn't realise was how long you got for manslaughter. Nope. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not that well up on it, to be fair. But Must have been very well behaved. 
well, it seems like all he did was push ups and you know come back as three si- three sizes bigger than he went in. Yeah, comes out absolutely hench. But yeah, you're right. Six years later, it was. Um, so Noah, six years later, returns to the town of Red Fog after yes, he ser- does. serving time for uh, his brother's crime. Oh man, the rhymes for this song are just right there, aren't they? <laughs> They're just lining themselves up. <laughs> um, yes, and basically, yeah, come, comes back jacked as hell, nothing but mm-hmm. push-ups. Um, met by his friend D-Ray. D-Ray. Yeah. Real name, Donald. <laughs> to discover that the town is kind of falling apart, the... Um, the main coal mine is on strike, which is kind of where everybody in the town works. Yeah. Um, and they're obviously, you know, bringing in some out-of-towners who don't know them hills. To... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, which uh, also, also includes um, Noah's brother, Cody, who is not from out-of-town and does know damn hills. But... He does know damn hills, but also he is the brother who uh, Noah has spent time Yes. For. Yes, indeedy. Um, which is so not the right way to put that. <laughs> we also find that uh, Noah and Cody's dad is dying from, like, uh, the black lung. Which we, we all know well about, which is what happens if you work in a coal mine for too long. I'm told. That's it. He gets the black lung. Um, his mum's a bit of a monster, right? Like, throughout. <laughs> it, it's weird, because, yes... But you can kind of see glimpses of why, I think. Yeah, I think it's one of those books that nobody is painted as a completely good or bad person. But most people definitely err on the side of bad. Yeah, I. it's interesting because I've, I've made a note of every named character that we get. Mm. And I, well, every, everyone that I think we get. So we've got like... 18 named characters in this book. It's a lot of people. Which is a, a heavy number. And it's kind of cool because I think by informing us and seeing so many characters interact, it does feel like a legitimate small town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think that's a good point. Yeah, everybody knows each other. Everybody's in each other's pockets, that sort of... Yeah, everyone's involved. Everyone's either taking drugs or dealing drugs or both. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting because we we do see yeah i feel like no one's good or bad really everyone's kind of i mean okay gallo glass is arguably bad <laughs> mm-hmm. but, sure. um i think a lot of the actual townspeople we see as being quite neutral and flawed people um I only realised kind of at the end of the book that I do actually feel like D-Ray is one of the most like well-rounded and defined characters, which is kind of weird. Absolutely. And there's a bit that I think we'll come to later on that I think is probably like D-Ray's biggest character moment. And as you say, is one of the best, I think, pieces of sort of like just basic character defiance that we see in this book. Yes, I, I very much agree. I I guess I was just surprised by that revelation that he does seem the most well-rounded despite not being the most central of characters at times. And also like drug addict bum, (laughs) like his life is going nowhere, but yeah, he seems most at peace with like just the world as it is. Yeah. It's, it's a strange one. And I'm, 
I'm kind of interested in how Alex Pacnadel arrived at that as a character to be like, you know, the most rounded character in here. Yeah. <laughs> is D-Ray, who is not my main protagonist. He reminded me, at least like physically, but also the drug taking of the uh, the character from Void Trip. Oh, the um, oh, I can't remember his name. Whose name I can't remember either. But with the yeah, <laughs> just the kind of bearded bandana, heavy drug user. Oh, that's going to drive me mad. That I can't remember what he's called. Um, God, God damn it! Incidentally, though, there that, that is another connection to the uh, whole White Noise Collective. So maybe yeah. you know, maybe there is a little uh, give and take of characters here and there. Oh, is he? Is he Gabe? Is he Gabe? Gabe, yes. Anyway, <laughs> so Gabe. While the uh, the the kind of brought in miners are down the shaft, while the the main miners are striking. Yes, there's an explosion uh, in the mine, and everybody gets buried. Everybody gets buried. I think it's at this point that one of my like the standout bits of art start coming into play because credit where it's due um nil vendril real good art yeah and i mean it's good up to this point really good sort of facial expressions and like good movement from panel to panel good sort of yeah but i think like when we get to the point where cody is in the like busted up mine shaft on his own yeah, and you've got, like, the silhouettes of... All the silhouette stuff, the colouring's really great. There's no borders at this point where we've had proper panelling up to this stage. Yeah, that's a good point. It gives, like, a, just that sense of being lost in the dark. Like, every direction is just blackness, so there's no uh, order to it. Um, that goes on to the kind of next page where he's starting to cl- uh, claw out, and he's just following... Uh, like a beam of light there's just a direction to follow and he's just sort of dragging himself towards it yeah i think those two pages in fact a third page when he meets uh an unusual minor down said shaft i just think they're they're a great set of pages and uh it happens a couple of times throughout this book but it's a highlight of the art yeah i, I think you're right i think it it's it's really nice um and it does very much capture the lost in the dark kind of feel. And I think it makes the lack of panels borders. Yeah. feel very atmospheric and very well linked together by darkness. Mm. And then when, once we're outside again, back to sort of full panel in. Yeah. Um, but importantly, Cody meets, uh, what looks like a sort of civil war era miner yeah. down the shaft who says that he can lead Cody out. Um, but all he needs him to do is to break his chain. This sort of oldie worldy miner is just chained mysteriously just to, to the wall. Just to the rocks. Yeah. yeah. Just, just chained on in there. And I mean, it's fair to say at this point, Cody's kind of delirious um, and, and is quite willing to break this man's chains to, to get some freedom. I mean, I, I hear that is what happens when a uh, mountain falls on you. Yeah, damn right. <laughs> uh, but as he leaves, the chain turns to a just sort of gross intestine. Yeah, creepy, isn't it? Growing out the wall. We see a trail of blood leading off. Which, 
it, all right. I, despite having read the blurb for this book, mm-hmm. I, I still didn't expect the kind of, I don't know, ancient evil body horror type vibes that we actually come on to. No, no, I don't think the blurb. I, mean, I guess, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, but this is where we this is where we get introduced to Gallo Glass. Mm. Um, this sort of old miner, and I think to sort of jump jump forward a little bit, he starts kind of healing people in the town with this mysterious coal that they're called snow coal. It's kind of white glowing hunk of coal that when you burn it. It seems to cure people of their ailments. Yes. On the other Somehow. hand, it then also turns you into a, a horror beast. <laughs> Which often is the trade-off, you know. Yeah. It's... Asthma, and... get rid of that. But you will be a kind of goblin monster. It's a, a terrifying hulk of flesh. Yeah. As your sort of original flesh just sloths from your bones and is replaced by a little scaly hide. It's oh man, it, it's it's some real, real good old fashioned body horror nightmare feels. I think. Yeah. Now, this is all for the purpose of unearthing something at the bottom of the mine. Yeah, some kind of mysterious ancient elder god type thing. Who who the hell knows? I think herein lies probably my biggest issue with the book as a whole is that it is a, it is a full story in its trade. So it begins and ends uh, completely. I don't really ever feel we get enough about what that is and what it wants beyond freedom. Yes. I know. I know that's kind of part of the sort of Cthulhu style horror narrative horror mythos is that they are like unknowable their desires are above and beyond those of kind of mortal men and maybe it doesn't matter but it it makes it difficult for me to sort of feel the weight of the horror if i don't understand what it is like it wants freedom but then then what yeah <laughs> i i agree and i i think one of my Probably my only complaint about this would be that, I okay, whilst I get that the TKO format is kind of six issues, which is then one trade, I feel like this is a eight-issue book that happens in six issues. Perhaps, yeah. And I, I feel like if, you, if we'd been given a little bit more information, a little bit more time to kind of tell more about Gallo Glass, more about what is under the mountain more about the actual town because they're like as i've said there are some great moments of character work and showing how everybody knows each other and how everything is integrated i think giving that a little bit more breathing space would have probably explained how gallo glass heals everyone and everyone ends up working for him trying to yeah that's unearthed ancient evil like what is snow coal like what it doesn't we never really get much, much more about it. Um, having said that, like I actually found the arc of the narrative quite satisfying in terms of where our main characters end up and where, and I kind of don't want to give too much away for people to read, but 
I do I did find it a quite satisfying ending in terms of where the characters end up. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think yeah, without giving too much away, I think it does end where I'm I, I'm happy with where it ended. I think it's a good resolution to the overall narrative. I think it does resolve itself nicely. Um I I just think that there could have been a little bit more afforded in the journey to get us there. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's who I am now. That's the kind of thing I say. Um, <laughs> but but with that said, I think we do get a very interesting grasp and investigation into all the characters and their motivations. We see that Cody is just ultimately quite a good guy. He's, you know... He's trying to be, isn't he? So he's kind of, like, guilty for letting his brother uh, go to prison for him and has sort of supported uh, Noah's sort of ex-girlfriend and his daughter as best he could. Unity and Harper. Unity and Harper, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I forgot a name like Unity, to be honest. It's, it's a strong name, isn't it? You have to be real confident to name your kid Unity, I think. Just a quick sidebar there to just refer to the art again. The conversation they have on a full page where they circle the sinkhole is something I've actually made a note about as being like just just good paneling. It's just good stuff in it. Like um, how to do a nine panel grid in a new way is just do it in a circle around a sinkhole. Obviously, it seems obvious when you say it will, but <laughs> there's also just after that when kind of Unity and Noah are talking in the house. Um, I've got both a complaint and a thing that's, that's good. And I think the movement in that, where you kind of see Noah looking around the living room and kitchen and whatnot, is 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 really nice and smoothly done. Um, however, I do have the complaint that they do spell Ventolin wrong. <laughs> ah, is that? Do you think that is a typo, or is that to avoid any? Um, any I, I don't know, man. Right. Is is Ventolin <laughs> is Ventolin a brand name or is Ventolin a? I couldn't tell you, man. It's not something I've uh, I've had too much experience with. You know what? There's also always the chance that it's spelled differently in different places, but I don't know. I am. Um, I I think <laughs> I need to stop. This is a message that I need to stop working for the NHS. I think that's yeah. what this is. Have to just pull you out of the story. That's so, how you spend Ventolin. <laughs> oh man um but okay le- lettering spelling aside i i think art wise yeah the whole flow around when they're talking down the sinkhole the conversation inside the house and the movement is all very natural and just really good because considering it's not I feel like we, we we see a lot of conversations in comics that are very face-to-face, we're talking, and I think putting the movement in it makes it feel a lot more natural and human, which is yeah. and I think really right. I think there's been a conscious effort towards that. So if, if Noah walks to one side of the room, he turns a different way to face unity when he talks to her. And I think yeah, it feels like there's been thought put into that, like they've imagined what this room looks like, and then rather than just go, like, oh, there's a window there and... Um, I don't know if you've read any of the Darth Vader comics uh, that Marvel, the early ones that Marvel put out. I've dabbled, yeah. yeah. I, I 
quite I quite enjoy them broadly, but I always find the art in that like as my example of quite stilted and where nothing seemed to belong in the room or move around the room, right? Yeah, and I think there's also obviously there's challenges with Darth Vader of uh, <laughs> c- con- conveying emotion, not really having a face. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think that that is maybe that's a statement about the Galactic Empire more than anything. They're just not groovy. <laughs> They're just not very personalised in their whole view of yeah. room decor or... <laughs> no, no. As you, uh, as, you, as you mentioned earlier, we, had the, we get introduced to Harper as well, so Noah's, si- I guess, daughter. Six-year-old, six-year-old daughter, <laughs> I guess, right? Because yeah. uh, she's not quite that- born when he goes to prison and... The maths would suggest she must either be five or six. Five yeah, or six. It's odd because she doesn't. I mean, the way she's been drawn, she could be five or she could be thirteen. And not, like, kids in comics. Uh, yeah, kids in comics is a kind of huge variable, isn't it? Between ages, can be whatever we're told they are. But five or six is our guess based yeah. on what we've been shown. There's, there's if she's seems- older than that, something's wrong. Yeah. Yeah, there seems to be a lot made of her having the inhaler. Now, like this might be something about coal mines that I don't understand, and perhaps it is the, the coal dust becomes airborne and, and affects people, but it appeared to be suggesting on the surface that asthma is like, or, or black lung is like hereditary. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was the vibe we were meant to... I, I, I assume that is the vibe we were meant to get, that... You know, obviously Noah's father is dying from exposure to coal dust. And I guess it's that concern for his daughter that it's the, maybe not so much hereditary, but something that is affecting everybody that is here. That's it. It could be my ignorance about coal mining, to be fair. But it didn't didn't explain too much. I mean, the asthma becomes important later when Gallo Glass is out of the mine and he's healing people in the town. It's an obvious draw then for Noah, yeah, to heal his daughter. So I guess it's important to establish that. But they just seem to make quite a big deal out of it. For like, lots of people have asthma and and are fine. <laughs> they have, have the right medicines and and, live and, and everything's lives. okay, and they don't have to make do- deals with a supernatural entity. So. It, it, yeah, quite. I don't know. It just felt like it was a big deal. <laughs> for uh... Yeah, it's, it's quite a heavy sell on the asthma. I'll give you that. Um, and it did seem like it came a little bit from out of nowhere, but I think that might just be our lack of knowledge about coal mining towns. Mm. I, th- I guess that's part of it. That's, that's the, the, the balance for me, is that the actual the pacing of the book, um, the building of the characters, the kind of the flashbacks and the really well scripted conversations that, that tell you things about the characters are great throughout but i'm just disappointed there just isn't enough detail for me like gallo glass produces this black blood that he calls tar yeah and all of the people who have been treated with the white coal are just obsessed with eating this tar and he sort of uses it as a as a treat for doing good mining <laughs> but like what what's that all about like, i don't I don't feel like I'm qualified to answer that question. <laughs> and it's just those bits. Like, I think it's a really well-constructed book. I really enjoyed reading it. But at the end, I just I felt a little disappointed that the details weren't filled in to the point I, I get kind of like audience interpretation and things. 
but there's a certain point where I think actually it's your job to sort of tell me the end of this story. <laughs> and yeah, and I think it is stuff like the tar that I would have liked ex- more detail about, and I think that's part of why I feel like we could have benefited from an, an extra issue or two to kind of yeah, yeah. I can accept like if some things go kind of unfinished, but there just seems to be three or four different tendrils that don't don't quite tie up anywhere. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think there's a few threads that aren't tied off as neatly as I would like. Um, many questions about Galloglass mm-hmm. or uh, Gregor uses human name. Yeah. How does he settle on Galloglass? What's Galloglass? I need answers. Is that what happens if you're in a mountain for 100 years? You just decide, I'm going to be Galloglass. It's a cool name. Like, if you've got a long time down there, you might think, what am I going to call? What's my cool name going to be? Yeah, sh- should I get out of this situation? I'm definitely going to want a rebrand. Gregor's not going to still be cool, is it? need a nom de crime. <laughs> Um, um, also, when when he uses the white coal, it seems to it, it seems to be that it saps life from other things because every time he uses it, a bird or a squirrel or some creature dies in place of of healing somebody. Which is acknowledged, I fit, I, I think it's it is not, acknowledged by characters that there are a lot of dead birds. Yeah, and... but again, like, what, but why? What? What is? <laughs> what is white coal? <laughs> like, I just feel that, um, yeah, I'm left just a little bit without the detail. Uh, I, I agree. Yeah, um, yeah that, that is a very valid question. What is white coal? What, what is the tar? What? But, and I did, so go on. I was just going to say, I, I don't want it to all sound like too negative because actually like there's tons about this book. I think is brilliant. I think the characters are great. And I say the actual kind of pace and plotting is really great. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it, I think this is a good book. And I think art-wise, writing, it is very well put together. There's stuff like... So there's pages where we see um, D-Ray driving away from the prison back to the town, where the progression of the car through the panels is really good. It's something we see yeah. mirrored when... Uh, we start an issue with Noah doing uh, press-ups and he kind of, when he goes down, he's in D-Ray's apartment with the dog watching him from the bed. Yeah. And then when he comes up, he's in prison and the kind of pacing there, it's also the point where we find out that D-Ray's got an insane clown posse poster <laughs> after wearing an insane clown posse t-shirt. He's in his first appearance. And he also has a, a Metallica St. Anger poster, which was so significant to me because it just made me think, is this how you define a character? Do you just go like, you know that music everybody, you know, looks down on? That's d Ray. He's, he's he, is. he loved St. Anger. He's into the insane clown posse. It's he just is who he is, you know. And that's sort why of cool. he's the best. Yeah, kinda. Um I I quite liked Saint Anger. Don't know about you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, less so. But that's maybe for a different chat. Have we co- have we commented on the? Um, we get them a few times, like the full page uh, images of like the the mine shafts. Uh, we have not commented on that. We can do. 
I think um, we get it on on a couple of occasions. The first one when we see like the sort of origin of Gallo Glass when the yes three brothers uh, back in ye olde America descend in the mine. The eldest brother makes a deal with whatever it is down there, and sort of in return gives them his brother Gregor, who then later emerges as Gallo Glass. Um, and then we see it again when they're leaving the mine when they're escaping the the mine and they are awesome yeah it's this kind of i don't know cross section of a mine but it's it's a very cartoony depiction of a mine i think absolutely like it doesn't make sense like you couldn't (laughs) you couldn't traverse it but it just they look so cool like i think they're a really good depiction of particularly in the in the second time we see it there are kind of four events going on yeah and i think the pacing of showing how everything's progressing through the mine is really nicely done yeah you can see where these like four groupings of characters are um yeah and it works really nicely and i think it's it's cool to see that the update because it's essentially the same mine but with progress being made between the two of how things have changed in a hundred years um we also at a similar time, we get some really good. Well, for the, similar time to the second showing of the mine, uh, we get some great pages that are again all kind of shrouded in darkness of showing what's happening with Gallo Glass and mm. what's happening underground. And it's, I think, it's really well done as kind of creepy. And the reveal of kind of full on supernatural Gallo Glass is. A real creepy page, Will. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, the end it of is. issue five. Um, but I, I think the the use of the darkness is good throughout. And I think it every time we're underground, I think it feels... I think the feeling of it, this being, you know, buried in the darkness is very strong and very well done. Yeah, absolutely. I think dropping those panels really dark, like the colouring's really nice when it's underground. You just get little... Um, sort of flashes of uh, of colour, but it's mostly sort of just silhouette and darkness. Real good. Real, real good. Um, yeah, art really, really good art. <laughs> just, um, and and it's, it's a really good balance between the like pretty heavy body horror moments and then the kind of everyday here we are at home moments. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, there aren't many here we are at home moments, and it's <laughs> no, but I think you're right. It's set in a lot of different settings. Like, we see different parts of the town, we see the mine, we see the woods. Um, and I think everyone is like detailed to the point that it sells the environment. I, I, I've only really get it occasionally, but you often, sometimes get a comic where it just feels like the characters have been sort of like pasted on top of an environment they just don't belong in yeah i think that happens sometimes do you know, definitely. Do you know what i mean but and i never got this from here i mean there's a bit inside um we haven't really talked about the uh the family who own the mine uh who the paisleys jane the paisley? paisleys yeah so we see a little bit inside uh jane paisley's like big mansion house yeah we do um but i think all the environments are really good like i say there's there's just enough detail to sell the, the the kind of vibe <laughs> and then you and then you're in it 
I yeah, I very much agree. I think all the locations are very, very nicely done and very detailed. I think that there's a tendency to go kind of lazy on backgrounds, and when there isn't a background in this book, it's because it's um, underground and it's shadow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, fair play. There's the odd panel where it's shot over the shoulder and it's just a blue sky background, but. They but are more often than not. There's a lot of effort and detail put into the locations. Absolutely, and they're few and far between. I'm there for that. Yeah, um, I mean, I think the colouring is excellent throughout as well. Actually, I think it's worth noting that. Yeah, I think everything sets the tone nicely and fits whichever environment we're in. That's something actually that I thought was. So I think it's issue five starts with the uh, priest in the church talking about how he nearly died and all he wanted was to play piano and mm-hmm. he, he can't because he's this kind of nightmarish monster now trying to play Ray Charles on a <laughs> on an old electric piano and oh real piano real piano never mind real piano I'd show off <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a good way of showing that it started to affect people outside of the lives of the main characters. Yes, and I think it it then led to the kind of procession of all the townspeople into the mountains to dig for yeah something. And I think it might not necessarily ring quite as true for you and I, but I think that like a small town American uh, town, <laughs> um, well like the, pre- the, the priest like that would would I imagine be like uh, central in the community. So you think if yeah. if he has been touched by what's going on, then it, I, I guess it gives you an idea that everybody has. Yeah, I think that's fair. And obviously it, it's the nice contrast. Of, well, I say nice contrast. Nice isn't the right word. It's the contrast of the, you know, religious figure who even he has succumbed to the supernatural promises from under a mountain of being cured of what ails you to... Which I think again shows how how far it has reached everything. I think you are right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just found what I would what I've been looking for for a little while, which is uh, D Ray's like crowning moment. So drug addict D Ray. Noah asks him like, why why wouldn't you go to uh, Galloglass to be cured? Yeah. And he just says, if I let Gallo Glass just pluck out my pain like a dead tooth and I wouldn't learn nothing from all those years on the needle, eventually I'll just find a way to fuck up all over again twice as bad. Sometimes it's our scars that hold us together, Noah. It's real good, isn't it, Well, It's real it's... good. And it's why D-Ray is just the best, the best guy in this. Like, I think most people are pretty... fairly irredeemable. Like, Noah's quite likeable. And I think yeah. although he although he makes mistakes, you can always tell his heart's in the right place. Cody seems likable, but uh, it isn't really a central character. Which is interesting because after the first few pages, I thought he was going to be I mean, central yeah, to the plot. He's, but... he's important, but he's not frequently on panel. I think that's... Yeah, it feels like he's more of a... He's a catalyst for things that have happened, and he... He shows the relationship between characters pretty consistently. I think he's shown as a central piece of the family and how everyone interacts with each other. Mm -hmm. But I think like Noah's mum and Unity um, and 
Jane Paisley and all of her goons. They're just pretty irredeemable people. Like there isn't. Yeah, there, there's some there's, there's some real bad ones around. Um, we also get, you know, we get throwaway, almost throwaway characters like Wade, who's you know gets his face beaten with a pool ball by the looks of it, and he does poor Wade. <laughs> Uh, and there's a few characters like that who, yeah, just just don't seem like good people. And I guess that's indicative of what's gone wrong with Red Fork, Will. Yeah, I think that is, I think it's just flavour, isn't it? It's just to give you an idea that this town is is miserable and is like on its knees. Um, but then is faced with something, well, we assume far worse. But maybe the, you know, maybe the Beast Underground is just real misunderstood. <laughs> Just, you know, just a good guy, you know? Mm-hmm. We just don't know. Just wants to fix things. If they made more of this, would you read it? Yeah, I'd be up for some more of this. I'd be up for... I, I don't know particularly know if I, I'd want a sequel, but I'd like something that kind of filled in some gaps or mm. pa- perhaps even came beforehand to talk about, like, how the Paisley family got to where they are and... yeah. I imagine there's a story to be told about the three brothers, Gregor, Rupert, and Keith. Keith seems like an outlier amongst those three <laughs> names, doesn't it? Was, was he actually called Keith, or have I just named him Keith? I hope he's got Keith. I haven't written, written down the brothers. <laughs> um, I, I need to check. Yeah, Keith. Keith, who went deaf when an explosion hit him. Um, Keith, Gregor, and Rupert, who are the three brothers who set out mining without a clue what they're doing back in there. Yeah, with and, one pick between them. Yeah, I, I would be quite invested in seeing, like, a, a prequel story that focuses on them and the supernatural. And yeah, let's be honest, how Rupert goes insane about leaving his brother buried underground. Yeah. I think it's been, it's been funny with these TKO books, because some of them are written... Um, and just sort of, I can't see them going anywhere. Like Sarah was a complete story, and it ends in such a way that yes, I, I, there's not going to be any more of that, and that's absolutely fine. This book ends in such a way that I get the same feeling. Like you get a little bit of a flash forward at the end, not miles into the future, but to the point that you think, okay, like I think at least for these characters, this story is is settled now. Yeah. And then some others, like um, Dr. Fang, mm. I felt like I could see that kind of going and going, really. I, I think you're right. I think it's it's an interesting kind of world TKO of built, because world? World isn't the right word. It's an interesting dynamic TKO have, because there are often occasions where it feels like there could be more, but the presentation we see is that everything is going to be a one-shot or, I don't know, it often feels like maybe there could be space for something more. Like, I think books like Sentient, whilst they feel like nice one-off stories, also build such a rich world that it asks the question of, well, you know, what would more involve? The same here, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm happy to see more from Red Fork or the Red Fork world. And my God, how old is that dog at the end? 
<laughs> realise that the dog's still kicking about. Yeah, I just realised that if... If Harper's in college at this point... I mean, we're talking like 15 years, right? Something like that. Yeah, so this dog is like... Oh, 25. Man. Yeah, this... <laughs> Not thought, but unless it's a different matching dog, just loves German shepherds. It's not the original Boone; it's a different Boone. Um, sorry, that was a tangent. Um, but I, I, I am curious as to what TKO's bigger plan is. Are we going to see creators invited back to do a little bit more if the universe demands it? Or I, I kind of like the idea that that it's open for it. I think the best kind of, um. The best kind of story writing, oh, that's not fair, not the best kind of story writing, but the best way to leave it open for a sequel is to at least have a satisfying story that just offers the option. Yeah, I, th- I think it's better to have the have the choice to do more, but it doesn't it isn't needed than it is <laughs> to leave something open for more and in doing so not conclude what you've already told. Yeah. I think actually, like giving a full explanation of all of the bits and bobs of this comic would do it a disservice. Like, I'm okay with some of it being left to interpretation or to mystery. I just think a little bit more, as you say, maybe two issues more would have been would would have just filled in some of those blanks. But yeah, maybe, uh, like you say, a prequel could be good, or a, a much more distant sequel. Yeah, just something to answer a few questions that haven't really been addressed. And if that happens, it, you know, that, yeah, that doesn't have to be in the same town. That doesn't have to even be the same characters. I, I, I think we've both covered on previous podcasts that we both quite like Alex Pagnadel. Um, and I think whatever he writes, we're probably going to check it out. So I'm quite eager to see where he would go with this world if he was going to tell another story. Mm -hmm. Hell, there could be monsters under every coal mine in town. I don't know. Could be. I mean, I I like that he's varied as well. Like, I think he's written so far several quite different stories. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a world of difference between this and Frendo or this and... Um, Arcadia, I read recently, or this yeah. turn Co. This, um, yeah. I, I feel like we're just listing Alex Pagnadel. Now, yeah. now that's that's who we've become. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, not not a bad thing though. He he's a really good writer, and he's done a lot of things that have immediately appealed to me, and I think appealed to both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, equally, I think. Art-wise, uh, Nil Vendrel, I would be very eager yeah. to see what else he's got in his future. Um, as far as I can see, all of his work so far has been this and Shirtless Bear Fighter, which I haven't <laughs> read, but I reckon I could be persuaded to. If it's going <laughs> to look like this, then yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty open to seeing what the creative team from this go on to. And... I think that's another good thing from yeah. TKO, though, is bringing these people to the fore. Very much so. Um, I think it's nice to see... It's interesting because there's obviously quite a good mix at TKO of creators who are quite established and creators who are still up-and-comers. And, and I think it's a place where 
very different creators who you don't often see together are coming together. Yeah. Uh, which is nice. It's nice to see a, a wider variety of creators together. Yeah. Indie books are good. Indie books be good. Yeah. Um, so that might be largely everything I have to say about Red Fork. How about you? I think it is for me. I'm looking forward to the other two. Yeah, we've got um, the other two coming up. Uh, I wonder what they're called. <laughs> <laughs> the Pulp by Steve Orlando, Ricardo Lopez, Ortiz, and Triona Farrell. And, and Lonesome Days, Savage Nights. Indeed, by Steve Niles, Salvatore, Simeone, and Simon Kudransky. Nailed it. I think yeah. so. I hope so. And Apologies if, I, if I didn't. If I'm right in my thinking... Didn't Salvatore Simone also do Eve of Extinction? Oh, good question. Uh, you are yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I did quite like from the previous wave of TKO books. Yeah. Um, I know we're, we're, we're both fairly well read on TKO releases, so it would be nice to do some of these as bonus episodes to kind of fill in Definitely. our TKO reviews. I think... We've got a lot to talk about with them. So let's, yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. So um, on that bombshell. <laughs> that total knockout. Um, I've been Zach. You've been Will. We'll continue to be. And we'll continue to be bigger than capes. And remember that comics are bigger, bigger than, than capes. capes.